This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson at the studios at Nebraska Christian Schools. Here today I've got Brian Young. He's with Creation Instruction Association near Hastings, Nebraska in Junietta. Welcome to the program today, Brian. Thank you. Always good to be here. Well, Brian, this morning at chapel, you talked about the recent debate between creationist Ken Ham and the science guy, Bill Nye. It was viewed by three million viewers streaming live. I'd ask you to come today, and our listeners will have the opportunity to hear some of your rebuttal to Bill Nye, some of the things that perhaps that Ken didn't have an opportunity to rebut during the debate. And so I thought you did a great job this morning. I'm eager for our listeners to get a chance to hear some of your rebuttal. But could you help our listeners know a little bit about what you do and how to get a hold of your ministry and resources? Yes, our ministry, Creation Instruction Association, is on the website at creationinstruction.org. And we basically will do debates ourselves or speak on the topics of creation or other biblical topics as well, publish newsletters and and books and materials like that to help people really basically give a defense for the hope we have in Christ. Well, before we jump into your rebuttal that you did in chapel, do you have some thoughts just to help set this up for the listener, what you were trying to accomplish this morning? Yes, the debate that Ken Ham did with Bill Nye, I thought Ken did a very good job of basically showing the distinction between observational science and historical sciences. In essence, basically what we can observe versus really what we're guessing and and hoping or predicting might happen. And really, true science is what we can observe and see and test in the present. Like I said, Ken did a fantastic job of outlining that. In debates, it's often hard, especially depending on how the, the debate format is set up, to be able to answer these questions. And I don't think that he had time and, and in some cases just didn't address some of the issues that Bill Nye brought up that I think are important to address so that you know other Bible-believing Christians and, and really even non-Christians alike can hear that there is an answer to the those things, and that what Bill Nye was presenting isn't necessarily accurate or true. With that, let's join Brian with today's message. Talk about the debate that was here this last week between Ken Ham and Bill Nye, the science guy. Now, some of you maybe didn't get to see the debate. Just to kind of highlight, basically, the, the main gist of things was this. We saw that Ken Ham had a really good opening and he discussed the idea between what observational science is and historical science. You see, we can observe things and we can make hypotheses and whatnot, but then we have to go and observe to make sure that those hypotheses work out in the scientific world. So, for example, we see that the scientists are observing comets that are up in the atmosphere, right? Now, we observe that every time a comet goes near the sun, it burns up and disappears. That's observational science. What we have not observed is, where did that comet come from? You see, we have observed that at the rate that we see comets disappearing as they go around the sun, that a comet should only be able to last 10,000 years. That's it. And they'd be gone after 10,000 years. Well, the problem is, is 
There are many people out there who are telling us that the world is millions and billions of years old. Now, if it's millions and billions of years old, then we've got another problem. Because where did that comet come from? If it can only be 10,000 years old, and the universe is you know, 18 to 20 billion years old, the Earth about 4.6 billion, they're telling you, where did it come from 10,000 years ago? And so people like Bill Nye will look at that evidence and they say, now, we know the Earth is millions and billions of years old, therefore that comet had to have come from somewhere. And so they have proposed what's called an Oort cloud that is 50,000 astronomical units away. To give you perspective, Pluto is 39 astronomical units. 50,000 astronomical units away is so far that even the Hubble telescope hasn't seen it yet. But they say this Oort cloud is this big ball of ice that comets get knocked into our solar system, into our orbit somehow. Has anybody ever seen that happen? No. They haven't even seen the Oort cloud. Therefore, that's not observational science. That's, well, in practical terms, it's a guess. And what Ken Ham was trying to do is say, listen, there's a big difference between guesses and interpretations than there is from observational science. And if you will look in your textbooks, so many times you'll hear and see words like maybe, could have, possibly, perhaps. That means it's not observational science. And Ken Ham was really making a good argument saying, we have to be careful about stating things that are these maybes and perhapses as facts, which is what has happened with evolution. Well, then Bill Nye got up and he began to show a few different evidences of so-called evolution. And Ken Ham didn't address those issues. And so I want to address some of those issues here today. Now, Ken Ham did do a good job of sharing the gospel, which we'll talk about here towards the end as well. But for now, I just want to address some of the things that Bill Nye brought up that Ken Ham did not address. One of the things here was fossil species. Bill Nye got up and said, you guys are crazy. You're telling me that Noah's Ark took two of every kind of animal. There's only about 5,000 kinds of animals, Ken Ham is saying, which, by the way, is what science seems to suggest with genetics. So that means that you're going to have at least 11 new species evolving every day. 11 new species. You'd think in the newspaper we'd have, you know, hey, look, the new species for the day are da 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 but we don't see that happening. Well, why is that? Do we really have 11 new species a day? Yes, as a matter of fact, you know what? 11 new species out of the millions of species that we have today really isn't that big of a deal. Percentage-wise, that's nothing. As a matter of fact, did you know that most of the species we have today are marine animals and insects, not mammals or reptiles? And so what happens is that these things do have what we call adaptations. I mean, look around you. Look at the variety of human beings we have. I see all different kinds of shades of colors of skin. I see all different kinds of angles to the eyes. I see all different colors of hair and body size, eye color. We see a variety, and that's what happens in genetics. We observe that happening, by the way. Do you know? that we do discover two to three hundred new species of fish alone every year. Yes, we do observe. That's just fish. So observational science tells us 
Yes, you could have 11 new species coming about, not because they're evolving, but because of genetics, it's an adaptation. Even though Bill Nye was like, oh, that's ridiculous, observational science says, it's what we see. And that is in perfect harmony with what the Word of God says. Even elephants, do you know during a lifetime, elephants, by the way, they have a very long gestation period, a long time of being pregnant, right? Do you know that in a pair of elephants, one male and one female, you can have more than enough to replace that original pair in their lifetime. As a matter of fact, their family could swell to 19 million elephants in just 700 years. By the way, that is just mathematical statistics based on observations that we see today. That is not a big deal. So for us to get to the species we have today is, again, in perfect harmony with the Word of God. Ken Ham has been saying that the earth is about 6,000 years old. Now, why is Ken Ham saying such a thing? Well, because it's what the Bible says when we look at the genealogies. The earth is only around 6,000 years old. Some people might say 10,000 if there are gaps in genealogies. Either way, a very young earth. It is a young earth. But then Bill Nye gets up and he says, look, here are trees, the bristlecone pines, that are 9,000 years old. You've got to be brain dead to say that the earth is 6,000 years old when here's a 9,000-year-old tree. Well, first of all, do you know that we do not find any 9,000-year-old trees unless we use carbon dating to date them? Those same trees that we carbon date to be 9,000 years old, when you count the tree rings, show 4,300 years. So which one's right? Tree rings, which by the way through observational science has been accurate. Or carbon dating, which by the way through observational science has been proven wrong many times. We date living penguins that say they're 8,000 years dead. Or we date clams that are still alive that say they're 3,500 years old. Or we carbon dated the woolly mammoth where one part of its body was 44,000 years old, another part of the same body, the same animal, 29,500. That's a slow birth. See, guys, you can't have carbon dating as an accurate dating method based on observational science. Tree rings are the most accurate way of dating trees, and they date 4,300 years. Now, that's weird because do you know what? The Bible says Noah's flood was getting over around that time. Oh, again, science is in perfect harmony with the Word of God. Noah's Ark, Bill Nye said, oh, Noah's Ark, you really mean to tell me that eight people built this ark? There's no way, because a few years back, there were some people that tried to build this ark, I don't know, the USS Oregon or something, he said, and it was twisting in all different directions, it leaked like a, you know, a sieve, and, and it was terrible. There's no way they could build an ark as big as the boat in the Bible is described, out of wood. Really? I can show you observational science that Bill Nye was wrong. Here is an actual photograph of a boat that was almost the size of Noah's Ark as far as length goes, built out of wood in the time of the Roman period of Caligula. Here's a picture of it. They discovered it, they found it, but in World War II it was destroyed, so the boat no longer exists, but the picture does. Not only that, but we have historical records, which, by the way, are usually pretty good, we see historical records of people telling us that there were boats of 1,600 rowers that was 400 to 500 feet. 
Noah's Ark was about 450 feet long, according to the Bible. We see historical records telling us of another one here that was 420 feet long. So Bill Nye is wrong. We also see that he says it would tear apart. Well, way back in 1974, there was a a Russian submarine, the K-129, that they discovered under the water, so they raised it up. And when they raised it up, they discovered it had a moon pool in it. And so some have proposed that maybe Noah's Ark had a moon pool. What is a moon pool? It's a little kind of hole in the bottom that the water, I mean, if you put that, you know, a hole in the boat, it's not like it all comes up. You, You get this air that will hold that water down. And as a result, the water's going up and down causes airflow to move through the boat, which would also keep fresh air in your boat, which would be nice. Now, the Bible doesn't say this is there. We're just saying it's certainly scientifically possible that God would have given Noah some of the engineering skills to accomplish such things like that. It also relieves stress on the boat. Wouldn't have to be there. Just saying it's possible that such a thing could happen. It's not a scientifically ridiculous proposal to have a boat like this. And besides, the Bible says the boat was there, it was that long, so I know it was. And even if we couldn't find something like this today, I want you to know that God is more powerful than you or I. He's more powerful than any ship engineer, and I think he could make it float even if it was made out of paper. But that's not what the Bible says. And by the way, the Bible says that Noah had 120 years to build that boat. He said, how could you know these two people build the boat? Well, there were eight people, and I'll bet that they could have hired some people, like we do today. If you build a house, you usually hire some people to help out. Ice cores. Bill Nye said, we have ice that is over 135,000 years old, ultimately. They've taken these core samples of ice and they count the layers because every year you have a layer of ice deposited. They're called annual rings. Well, in Denver, they've got some annual rings from this ice in Greenland. It's 10,000 feet deep and they counted all these layers up. And Bill Nye said it was a summer winter because as the summer comes, the ice begins to, to thaw and then it refreezes later in the winter and you get this dirt on there and whatnot, and so you get a ring left. Well, bottom line is that's a terrible way to date ice, and observational science has shown us that. Ken Ham did bring up this lost squadron of airplanes, but he didn't really explain what he was talking about in that debate. They found these airplanes. In World War II, they landed on the glaciers. Well, they had to abandon the planes, and well, we found them 48 years later. They were three miles away because the ice has moved, but they were under 263 feet of ice. Well, they drilled a hole down, really melted a hole down to them to get these airplanes back, and they have, now they're in a museum. They took them apart piece by piece and raised them up through the hole. Well, when they melted the hole down, you could see the layers of ice. Now remember, Ken Ham said every year you get a layer about. I have 48 years of ice here, so how many layers should I have? 48, help you with the tough ones. You see, 48 layers is all there should have been in that. Do you know that there was almost a thousand layers of ice there? That tells me in observational science, they're wrong. You can't count layers to determine how old ice is. What we saw 
with these airplanes is five and a half feet of ice accumulated every year. That means you take the 10,000 feet of ice we have and say five and a half feet accumulate every year, allow for compression rates, it puts the ice age at 4,400 years ago. Again, around the time Noah's Ark is landing on the mountain of Ararat. I really like this. Bill Nye kept saying, evolution makes these predictions. We find them, therefore evolution is true. You know, if the Bible could make predictions, maybe I'd believe in the Bible. I was sitting like, yeah. Does the Bible make any predictions? Yeah, as a matter of fact, it said there was a great big flood called Noah's Flood. If the flood were true, what would you predict you ought to see? I would predict that we ought to see sedimentary rock, which is rock that's been laid down by water, all over the earth. Guess what we see? Sedimentary rock all over the earth. I would predict if the flood were true, we'd see fossils all over the earth. Maybe even sharks and marine animals in Nebraska where there isn't an ocean. Guess what we see? Sharks' teeth in Nebraska. Fossils of marine animals all over the earth. Not in the oceans even. I would predict canyons because waters, floods, carve out canyons. Oh, I just was speaking in Arizona, went to the Grand Canyon. There's a perfect example. And when we see the Grand Canyon, we see layers. And there's no soil layers between the layers, suggesting it wasn't millions of years of time between these, that these are catastrophes that Noah's flood would produce. The Bible says that things are supposed to reproduce after their own kind, which would mean then I would predict that in fossils I would see dogs will always be dogs, cats will always be cats, birds will always be birds, and guess what we see? Cats are always cats, dogs are always dogs, birds are always birds, dinosaurs are always dinosaurs. We've never found one missing link. Bill Nye said, plants survive underwater? Really? I mean, if Noah's flood were true, these plants aren't going to survive underwater for a year. Well, who said they had to? You know, as creationists, we've been saying for years that there would be floating mats of land with vegetation on them and log mats and things like that, which would be going around. And we even see those type of things today. And so they wouldn't have to be floating underwater you would have mats that would grow. In seeds, even Darwin showed that seeds could last over a year in salt water and still sprout. Somebody asked the question to Bill, what could you find that would change your mind about evolution? And he said, if I could just find one fossil that would swim from one layer to another layer, then that would make me believe evolution is not true. I was like, great, you just lost the debate then, Bill, because we have hundreds and thousands of animals that have been found in the wrong layers. For example, here's a book called Living Fossils. Do you know, this is a scientific observational fact, we have found animals of every major animal with dinosaurs. Now, wait a minute, dinosaurs aren't supposed to be around when birds and mammals are. But we have found... Modern birds like parrots, owls, penguins, ducks, loons, albatrosses, sandpipers, and many more with dinosaurs. They don't show you that because it doesn't fit their belief and worldview of evolution and atheism. But the fossils do show us birds lived with dinosaurs. Hundreds 
of examples. We have found 432 mammal species that aren't supposed to live with dinosaurs, with dinosaurs in the fossil record. Over 100 complete fossils, nearly complete fossils, of the whole animal found with dinosaurs. How come they don't show you that in your museums? Because they hate God, and they don't want you to believe in God, and as a result, they're not going to show you what observational science shows. They only want to show you historical science. You know, here's a dog. It gets the genus name Canis, species name Familiaris. Every animal gets a genus and species name. Now, I want to show you some of the difficulties in interpreting fossils historically or, you know, using evolutionary understandings. Because here's another dog, an English wolfhound. Here is a bulldog. Look at the difference in the skulls. They are the same genus, just different species. But here's my question. If you found this and that in the fossil record, do you think they would be both called dogs even if these weren't alive today? Not a chance. So they're going to give it a different name, wouldn't they? But observational science says you can't tell us that much information about bones if it's not alive today. But here's an interesting thing then. If you wouldn't call these things the same, why would you not call these the same? Here is a bone of a modern-day alligator, a fossil of an alligator. Do you know that the evolutionists have given this a different genus and a different species name? Why? Why don't you give it the same genus and the same species name? Because it's the same thing. Well, they said, because this one is millions of years old. How do you know that? Well, because of where it was found. Because of my belief in evolution, not observational science. They gave it a different name simply because they believe it's older and it should have evolved, but it hasn't. I could give you hundreds of examples of the same thing. Modern goblin shark versus the fossil record, yet they give it different genus and species name. The coelacanth, fossil record, alive today, by the way, observational science, we see them swimming in the ocean. They give it different genus and species name. And I could go on and on and on. Fossil record, alive today, different genus and species name. Why? Because of the belief of evolution. That's not good science, is it? So Bill Nye, I'm sorry you're right. There have been many things that have swam from one layer to the next. And it's your interpretation that's the problem. Bill Nye said that, you know, all the elements came from a star exploding. Have we observed that? Have we ever seen hydrogen? Because that's what we have. Hydrogen exploded, they say, in the Big Bang. How did all the other elements in the periodic chart come about from hydrogen? We can't have that happen in a laboratory today. We've never seen that in nature. As a matter of fact, that even breaks a law of science saying something can't come about from nothing in the sense that you can't have elements evolve from nothing or from hydrogen. We can't do it in a lab. That doesn't make any sense. Big Bang, he says, you know, we see Big Bang. Light is moving away from us. Because light is moving away from us, it's moving to the red end of the spectrum. The Big Bang must have happened because things are moving away. Two things. First of all, that says they're all moving away from us. We are the center of the universe. Why? Why are we the center? I'd say because God made us here and the Big Bang isn't true. You see, the Bible says in a couple of places that when God created this world, it says he stretched out the heavens. That's what the Bible says. Let's make another prediction. If God says he stretched out the heavens, should we in observational science see any evidence that the heavens have been stretched out? I'll predict yes, and we do. We see the red shift of light. 
Again, the Bible, the truth, fits the predictions, doesn't it? There's Isaiah 45, Jeremiah 10, and there's another one in the scriptures that talks about that. They say that we see stars forming. Have you guys ever looked outside and looked at the Big Dipper and thought, whoa, another one? You don't see stars forming today. But they say, yes, we do. Red giant stars even evolve into white dwarf stars over billions of years. Has anybody ever seen that? You know what we have seen? The Egyptian hieroglyphs tell us from 2000 B.C. that the star Sirius was a red star. We see that Cicero in 50 B.C. said Sirius was a red star. We see Seneca saying it was redder than Mars. Ptolemy said it was one of the six red stars in 150 A.D. Today, Sirius is a white binary star. That didn't take billions of years, did it? Ken Ham brought up a good point. He says, What's the point in discovering anything if you're just going to die and that's all there is anyway? Guys, I want you to know something. You are all going to die. And if this world and what you're living for is all just about discovering, oh, that was so cool to understand about these little top minnow fish. Oh, that was exciting. And now you die and you become dirt and nothing. What's the point? Guys, here's my point. The Bible makes predictions, and scientifically I see them being very accurate. The Bible makes also theological predictions. And I know one day that you will observe them to be accurate. You see, the Bible says that because man sinned, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the wages of sin was death. Not just physical death, but also spiritual death. But Jesus said, I, I love you. I don't want you to die, so I will take that curse of sin upon myself. I will come from heaven to earth, and I will become a curse hanging on a tree, and taking the punishment you deserve because of sin upon my body. It's called propitiation, a replacement. He was your replacement. If the Bible is true, guys, the very fact that Jesus died for you on the cross has all kinds of spiritual significance. It means it meant something. It means that he died for you. That's what creation means. And that is a prediction that the scriptures say. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. You see, why would we call on the name of Jesus if all he did was hang on a cross and die for me and death has no meaning? That would be a waste of my time, wouldn't it? No. The prediction is this. Jesus also said this many times. There are prophecies loaded throughout Scripture and they've all come true outside of a few of them that we're still waiting to come true. And one of those predictions is that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back someday. And he is going to separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep will go to be with him in heaven. The goats are going to go to eternal damnation in hell. That's a prediction that I want you to think about. Because bottom line is you're going one or the other. And not because of your own merit. But simply because of whether you believe and call on the name of Jesus and believe that the Bible is true, or if you're going to believe people like Bill Nye, who I've just shown you, is not basing things on observation or reality, but on nothing but a philosophy. So we can thank Jesus that his death was meaningful and purposeful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that your word is true. We don't need science to believe it, but yet it seems like some do, I guess. 
I just pray that today some of this science, some of what you've shown us in your creation would cause us to give you glory, that you would be glorified, you would be lifted up, and that we would understand you better because of it, that we would trust your word. Lord, I'm sorry that uh, some of us, we've needed to have science to believe in the word of God. Help us with our unbelief and, and help us to believe regardless of what we see around us that we would believe because it's true. Thank you for this time and thank you for your son Jesus who died a death that was meaningful and purposeful, a death that we deserved and a death that we do not have to go through simply because you have taken it. Praise God for whom, from whom all blessings flow. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Brian Young, a message he gave at Chapel recently in Nebraska Christian Schools. Brian is with Creation Instruction Association. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Music